Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey there, listener. Welcome to the Deep Share Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rouse. And for the last couple of decades, I've slowly been opening my eyes to a very different world than the one I grew up hearing about. And the more conversations I have with interesting people, the more mystifying this world becomes. So without further ado, let's get deep. We've got science to celebrate Venus Blissful! After what, baby, come on! There is rebellion in the wind. It will be crushed. Everything I've said is true, it's real. Dinosaur bosses? God put those here to test our faith. Damn lie, I, I saw them on my own eye! Did I accuse just drop sharply while I was away? We did it illusions, man. None of it is true. I'm not insane! This is mass madness, you maniac! In God's name, you people are the real thing! We are the illusion! Welcome back to the Deep Share Podcast. Tonight, I am honored to finally talk to a wonderful podcaster that I've witnessed podcasting for years now, and she's been on a lot of big shows. She's got a lot of great things to say. Please welcome Monica Perez. Monica, nice to see you. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, It's great to finally get to sit down together. We were on a union of the unwanted like two years ago. And I don't think we really got to converse at all, but it was one hell of an experience for sure. Being able to hang with all of you guys at that point in, in this career of mine. So, and you know, some of the folks in the Pacific Northwest who I recently kind of toured up there, which was super, super fun. Yes. We have mutual friends, uh, Chun and Lonnie. They and, are. And Lanny. Joe from legit Pat. Joe right. and Jen. Yes, and they, yes. we have a lot of good people in this community and it's so yeah. cool that you got to go visit them. Oh you know? my gosh. It was such a great experience. Like yeah. I can't even tell you it was so good for the soul and it's going to be good for my wallet because I am going to figure out how to make my own um, fermented beverages. And by that, I do not mean things that get you high. Those I make plenty of. <laughs> I just mean like, I love those like sparkly zingy gingery things. And they're like freaking three fifty a bottle. And oh. I am, um, I won't bring myself to drink them. Like as my husband said, when I used to smoke cigarettes, he's like, why do you do that? It doesn't even get you high. <laughs> like, <laughs> a good point. Okay. Yeah, it was a great point. So I just, I cannot pay for liquids that you know, have no calories and don't get you high, but I will, uh, I am going to, I really am going to, it's a life changing. Lanny taught me how to make sauerkraut and um, oh, wow. pickled green beans for my bloody Marys and a lot of other things. So I'm super psyched. Yeah, that's awesome. Lanny, Lanny is a huge inspiration. I love all the stuff that they're doing up there. And yeah, uh, we, my wife and I kind of hung out and met uh, Lanny and Chud at um, right around the time that we were starting to get into making our own things at home too. We've got a garden and now the, the beverages, uh, tapache, 
I had never heard oh, I that word before. To that. Oh, What's, which one is that? Because I know kombucha is like the tea with the gross fungus stuff on top. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, my wife would kill me. I can't remember the name. The scoby. Yes. The scoby Yeah, yeah, layer. exactly. Yes. What's tapache? What's tapache? Tapache is um, very similar. It's fermented and you, you, it's all pineapple. So you take some pineapple juice and then you you know, take the skin of the pineapple, dump that in there. Really? Yeah. All kinds of stuff. And then it, to me, so as a former alcoholic, I don't even say I'm still whatever I I'm former. I don't drink yeah. it anymore. Right. And that tastes like a refreshing light Belgian beer on a hot wow. day. Does that not lead you down the path? Oddly enough, I'll just chug a ton of the tapache. Well, <laughs> I have great. to say, I just like, I cannot handle the calories of, you know, constant stream of alcohol. So I've been transitioning to like the occasional <laughs> CBD gummy, a few drops of CBD. And with one of those like kvass things, mm -hmm. I really, it's, it hits the spot. Like I'm, I'm with you there. I really, I think it's like transformational. And, um, I just, I feel like it's so great to move. It's kind of like when you get out of debt, like you pay off your school loans or whatever, and you go from paying interest to earning interest. Right. Like you go from like, this makes me feel like crap tomorrow. It's like, this makes me feel good tomorrow. Yeah. Like that's a Delta that I really can get my arms around. Yeah. I think, um, I see more and more of that. I mean, maybe it's just the influence of the community we're in and there's so much, uh, you know, motivation to do better with ourselves and each other and stuff like that. So whatever, whatever the reason I see more and more people trying to make their own way in what, whatever way that means people are making their own clothes, you know, growing their own food. Well, so then you I realize how cheap it can be, like how much you do not really need to plug into the matrix, like, and then yeah. you can have fun and have leisure. I don't, I can't get too far. Like I always, I always made this, this mistake is that like when I grew up totally poor as the youngest of nine and just like completely nothing, I thought I had to like become an investment banker to have my own room, you know, <laughs> and it's like you can, there, there is like, you only need to get like 10% out of too poor to be completely fine, especially if your favorite hobby is to read books, I, you know, yeah, and right? I just, I feel like you just need, depending on what, if you need image, if you need luxury, if you need like constant stimulation, then yes, you're going to have to get out there and like make the fiat. But mm. I think for the rest of it, I, I can, I'm happier with, without it. And it was so like great to just hang out with those guys. Oh, it was yeah. just great. Anyway. So yeah, I'm, I'm all I for the newest, the latest movement. Yeah. Man, I used to live up in Oregon. That was pretty close to the, to those guys. And if I was still there, I'd be up there as much as I possibly could visit in there. It's so cool. They, every, so many of you guys are out there. So you kind of have a nice community to kind of visit each other. Like Joe and Jen get visitors often in the podcasting community. It's not fair. <laughs> and plus, as it's like more oppressive. So we also visited people in the Portland area. Mm -hmm. And as like, like people get super crazy and irrational, there emerges like these kind of counter cultural reactionary movements where they're like, screw this. I'm not even going to work anymore. Like I'm going to, and like in LA, my kids went, there are schools and churches and stuff. There's like Latin masses. And I feel like it's that people just are reacting. Mm. And I, you know, sometimes reactionary stuff is not good, but in this case, definitely good <laughs> right i mean it's Further cognitive dissonance we get, we're, we're yeah, so probably. like you know every, we're i'd find myself judging every stance i take like oh am i falling for something and it's like eventually i 
I might not be falling for something, right? Like this could be genuine, right? Like everything is a controlled reaction, right? It's well, in, every that loop. You know, things that are inherently good that you can just tell by looking at it. And a lot of times they take something that's inherently good and they that's what they exploit. Like that's what they leverage. So yeah, I mean, you're gonna find some some threads that like you don't want to pull on there, but right, right. But the closer you get to that, I feel like the more you're you know, kind of activating that archetype of autonomy. And I just mm. feel like it's it's worth it. And you and and you develop like the truth jar. So you mm-hmm. kind of get to where you're not going to fall. You know, the more in, in touch you get with nature and with like the reality of being able to grow your own food, like the less susceptible you are to bullshit because you don't even need screens anymore. You're not even even absorbing the bullshit anymore. Right. Until they come to take your rainwater and your chickens and your guns. So you have to pay attention to the to the laws. Yeah, that's after the 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 fear mongering doesn't work where, oh, water yeah. is poison. Right. now. Don't drink any. Ta- yeah. Yeah. Farming can give you heart attacks and stuff. (laughs) Unbelievable. You know, the amount of, um, yeah, it's just insane how it just goes, they just play on everything. They, they constantly focus on that duality within us. And we, it's like, we love it. We can't help, but love the, this versus that mentality, even though we're aware of it most of the time. Like, so let me ask you personally, because you, know a lot more about politics. You have your finger on like those kind of narratives a lot more than I do, who's usually got his head stuck in the past, the ancient past. Um, how do you deal with the political narratives out there? Like, do you see any good politicians out there whatsoever? Cause I have a very hard time with that. When a lot of our colleagues and people I respect definitely are very invested into what they can expose about politics, which kind of scares me. And it makes me a little nervous because I feel like that might be their primary playing field to feed us nonsense from left to right, right to left, back and forth. Sorry for that roundabout. Oh, the first question about like, is anybody real? And yeah, then the yeah, second please, question yeah. you're going to have to re-ask because I'm confused. <laughs> That's totally fine. But uh, so, so let's take Ron Paul. Okay. I love Ron Paul. Everything he says and does. Um, I don't like, oh, it, like I, I don't, I've never heard him say 9-11 was an inside job. He <laughs> obviously knows it was like, there's no question. He doesn't know it was. And I forgive him for that. Like it could be because like he's there to admit everything except for that, you know, but he mm. never tells you it wasn't like, you never right. hear him say like, I bet my reputation on the fact that, you know, Osama bin Laden did this. So I don't take that too seriously, but if, you know, let's say he was he was a limited hangout for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care at all because it's like Martin Luther King or Thomas Jefferson. I mean, if you there are the scandals and bad things said about them that are, you know, likely to be true, but it's mm-hmm. irrelevant. I mean, they they had a message. They did a lot of good. They their message was a threat, whether I don't think any of them got those messages put in their mouths. But even if they did like some of the stuff that Trump did, like, I feel like they, the, the powers that be, they see those threats, they th- see the things they don't like, they have to construct a, you know, controlled opposition, or they have mm. to co-opt somebody who's already there. So anytime I hear somebody who's really got their hand, their finger on like the pulse of the American experiment, like Ron Paul, just, that was not a bad thing. It mm. sucks that he didn't make it, but like, I completely embrace him. Rand Paul compromises a lot more. And there've been a couple of things where, 
like with the lab leak theory, which I think is a cover up for the fact that it was deliberately spread through injections. <laughs> right. You know, that's a cover up and a distraction. And I think something he did kind of led to the <laughs> USA Freedom Act, which like he stood his ground on something and it just ushered in like something much worse. It was totally foreseeable. I'm not saying that he's like he is a controlled person, but he compromises. And look, he's a senator, you know, being right. a, and Mitch McConnell like allowed that. So if that's what it took, then maybe he feels like he's he's going to, you know, it's worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Then you have like Justin Amash or Amash, whatever they like from, I think, Minnesota. He was he used to every time there was a vote in Congress, he would explain his vote on a constitutional basis on his Facebook page. Oh. And that not only explained his vote, but it explained everything that you needed to know. I mean, it was a resource. It was from the best resource out there. And all of a sudden he stopped doing that. He like became an independent. He called for Trump's impeachment, which was a ridiculous way. It was a setup and it was a way to get the left to love Ukraine, to want to send money to Ukraine because it was all about him not sending money to Ukraine. And I said it at the time. I was like, I'm pretty sure this means we're sending money to Ukraine. <laughs> you know, right. Right. So so Amash just disappeared from the scene. He doesn't do that anymore. And I would I would say like the only even explanation I can think of is that they got to him. They had right. to like he's a vulnerable person. He has kids and whatever. So I, I feel like kind of a long way to answer to your question. It's almost it's almost guaranteed that anybody who's going to have real political power is going to be compromised in some way or undermined. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are people who can kill you, who can blackmail you, who can, you know, yeah, probably steal your you. mind. You right. know, they can. And I feel like so. So I think of of the political atmosphere as more of a litmus test of how far they can go. So I think I feel like the politicians that we the ones we like the most is really more of a litmus test of the kind of of how of where we are you know, where the awake people are, like how far, how much they have to give the people who can still think, still mm -hmm. remember like what the American kind of promise was. Cause that's the other thing they say, we have this social contract. I'm like, okay, I didn't sign up for that. I don't believe in that. However, if there is one, it's the constitution, right? right. That's your argument. So let's at least stick to that. And the, for, that's why I did not like the transition from Ron Paul to Trump. Mm -hmm. Is that they I think there's no question that Trump was given to us. And what saddened me is that what got people really excited about him was that he was mean to people who had been jerks to us. Right. So and I'm Revenge. like, I, yeah, and I get that. You know, I get that that like there's just a lot of years of frustration. You feel like you're being vindicated. Mm -hmm. But Ron Paul vindicated. I feel like he vindicated us much more by getting college students to burn dollar bills. <laughs> like to I'd me, so. that's a vindication of everything. Like that's people really understanding at a deep level how far we had gone. And what what I feel like Ron Paul had demonstrated was that like me, like I myself, I grew up, um, you know, raised by my father's a traditional conservative, which I always thought was a libertarian, but it was <laughs> it's not quite. But he he was a traditional conservative. And as I developed politically and philosophically and I looked back at that stuff, I uh, 
I could really understand the principles at work and, and what was wrong with what was happening politically. So I just stumbled into the radio show that I had. It just stumbled into it. It's a long story I've told many times, but <laughs> so when I got, I couldn't, I just, I was completely cynical, like a complete anarchist by then. And I mm -hmm. didn't know how I would possibly do a radio show to a bunch of conservative people, like neoconservatives. And actually Angela McArdle, who's the head of the Libertarian Party asked me recently, and I didn't have the right answer for her then, but I realized now what the answer was because I'd gone through the questions like, how do you reach conservatives? And I asked, I'll have to write a blog post dedicated to her I to answer the question because I looked at the time, I was like, I can't even do a, sh I cannot do a radio show. And I realized that the one thing that we would all have in common was the Bill of Rights, not because I believe in the constitution and want to limit it. It's that the bill of rights limits the constitution, whether you believe it in it or not. So mm. use the bill of rights to defend yourself against this government, whether you want that particular government or not, it is your defense mm -hmm. and conservatives all understood that. And what I noticed when I was on the air is like just an avalanche of relief and connection with the conservatives who said like, why doesn't anyone else talk about this? These are the principles. And even, and Atlanta's half black or mm -hmm. like there's a huge African-American community there. And these are not, you know, conservatives for the most part. And I had a tremendous reaction from that. They like the station had very low listenership from the African-American community. And I like it. the majority of my callers were maybe 50 something year old black guys who were just wow. like, yes, like it's a scam, you know, whatever your ideological bent is like falling for all this propaganda is it's just never, you know, it's like a ping pong ball. Like they <laughs> bullshit on one side and bullshit on the other side. Like when are people really going to wake up? Right. Two wings to the, of the same bird. Right. To the point where 10 years ago, people were calling, were like, oh, you're woke which meant something different. You know, they, right? they metamorphose those things. They take them. Yeah. So, so I realized that we did have this really profound, like archetypal understanding of what we were promised, like our legacy, our inheritance from, from our fathers who, even if they fought in wars that weren't justified, when you get into the, the, you know, state department memos, they were, were bringing to it, ideology that they were willing to give their lives for. And they were passing those words and thoughts and values down to us. And I feel like even when Ron Paul was out there, I was so, um, and when I had my show, I was really hopeful because I thought they can't, they cannot eradicate that. They cannot mm -hmm. eradicate that. And then Trump came and I remember I was at a party and I said to a guy who's like a fighter pilot, hardcore, like, you know, America, fuck Ooh. yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, I, he was just loved Trump and he thought he loved me. Like this guy was like, you really know, you know, you know, your eighth amendment, you know? Right. And I was like, uh, and I said, but look, like Trump never talks about the bill of rights. Mm. And he said, well, you can't have it all. But and I was like, you all. can't, that's what you need because <laughs> those are the limits. So if you start being pragmatic about, well, we're in power now, so we need to get rid of the filibuster, you know, we're in power now. So we need blah, blah, blah. It's that's the setup. That's the set. That's why you can't, that's why the liberals can't argue against like aid to Ukraine because they went to the mat for that mm -hmm. and you get co-opted buy it. And that's, and that's what I think he did is that he got people to say compromise was okay. 
you know, and I, and another person, I, this is so, I've said this so many times, you know, when I would get on the air and just say, Obama does not pay, pay attention to the bill of rights and or the constitution. And then I said the same thing about Trump and the answer in, with Obama, it was like, yeah, he's a, he's a Manchurian candidate. And then with Trump, they would say, you're, this was the quote, you're quibbling about semantics. Cause I would quote <sighs> the constitution, like the constitution is like, two pages, you know, like what you really need from it. You know, it's just not very long. Right. There's no quibbling about semantics. Like there are like not that many words there. You have to follow them all. And I just so so I feel like that was the death knell. And I so I guess like the two parter is that I feel like that was where you're really not even going to have like real, um, you know, foundational American philosophy ever emerging, maybe Thomas Massey, mm -hmm. but, and then on the other hand, if you do get anywhere, they will put you down. Right. Right. You know, so. Well, that was a great answer. It was a very long winded <laughs> no. answer. So neither of us is going to remember the second part, but it was no, like, people, I, yeah. Yeah. It's something about, I think I said something about left versus right, but we kind of covered yeah. a little Are bit people of that falling anyway. on their swords for this stuff. And well, yeah, I mean, there's so much compartmentalization too. You know, I'm very interested in the UFO community and I have been for a long time. Right. And that's like, the crux of the compartmentalization. That's where you hear that word the most when it comes to, you know, government conspiracy. It's like, well, this person didn't know that he didn't even know what he was working on. That's why he didn't know it was reversed engine, you know, that whole line of thinking. And I, that's where I find my cognitive dissonance when it comes to politics, economics, celebrities, musicians, because of course in our community, depending on who you talk to, all of those people are actors. All of those people might be CGI. So, <laughs> you know, there's no limit to how far out there we go in this community. And hey, sometimes the really far out there idea is just far away from where you are. And it turns out to be true. So once you breach that moment where it's like, oh, I don't know what to trust anymore. You're so vulnerable, right? Yes. We have this vulnerability. And I wonder how much of that is taken advantage of even by some of these good guys. But let me add to that, that compartmentalization, right? If we're all like, are there any politicians out there? Let, let me ask you this one. Does any politician out there tell you not to vote? <laughs> Probably not. Right. And it's right. like, I don't think it. so. <laughs> well, it, wouldn't that be wonderful? I don't know what would come of that, but. I want to ask you a few questions about that stuff because I don't get do. into the UFO thing too much, but I, I will give you this, like, it's hard for me to choke out. What I'll even say here about the political stuff is that at a certain point, and people have said this to me before, like the, I lived in Texas for a while and everybody was Republican. And that's when I realized like Republicans are not conservatives are not libertarians. Like they're not <laughs> all the same thing. Right. And which I didn't know because I was from New York and I had never met any of any of those people. So when I went there, I saw I was like, oh, Republicans just vote Republican because they get promises from the Republicans. Mm. And but people would say, oh, you're so far to the right. Like you're coming back around the left because I was like an anarchist and stuff. But now, you know, I have to say that. I really it's ingrained in me that government cannot be trusted and that even if it was founded from a place of well-meaning, and then you look into the foundational stories of our country and it's like, 
you know, I don't maybe they were still working for the crown. And then you look at the Fed and all of that. And then I look at somebody like this, the guy who was pushed out in a coup in Bolivia. And then like Jaime Roldos? Oh, was that the seventies? No, no. I mean, oh, like, oh, oh, no, recent. nobody talks about it. <laughs> See, Nobody's that's what like, I'm saying. I'm only in history. No, My head does not no, exist no in contemporary times. No one would say times. that too. No one would know what that was. Oh, like, okay, that's okay. what's crazy. Fair like, enough. there's definitely a U.S. coup, like, a couple of years ago in Bolivia. And I remember reading about Bolivia. It's like, that looks like a U.S. coup. So I'm looking into it. The only reason I figured it out is, like, I, I just recognized the pattern. Mm-hmm. It was never right. in the newspaper. Okay. And I was talking to some real liberal guy who I like a lot who is the managing editor of Covert Action Magazine. His name is Jeremy Kuzmarov. And I talked to him. He wrote an article about it. And I have him on my show regularly because he's just chock full of all the information. Mm -hmm. But when you look at some of those guys, they're absolute socialists. So this is a big problem I have. All anti-imperialists of any like intellectual merit seem to be socialists. And I'm like, why do you have to be a socialist? Can't you just, and I asked him that. He was like, well, no, we're, we have a lot of overlap. I know, but ultimately you want socialism. Yeah. Most of the time you're just riding that pendulum all the way over the other side. You know, you're not getting off. (laughs) So him, but like the Bolivian guy and Hugo Chavez and stuff and they're, they seem to, I mean, it is possible like Gaddafi, it's possible those guys had the best interest of their people at heart. Not that their ideologies were right. I'm not saying that, but it is possible that in their delusional ideological minds that they felt like, you know, you, these, there are a lot of poor people like Indians that, you know, had a Peruvian missionary called the people who lived in the land, the indigenous people, he called them Indians. So mm-hmm. it doesn't offend them. And like, they had no power against Western powers. So you get like, you know, these, some of these guys are uh, of indigenous origin also. And they're like, well, we own every collectively, we own everything under the ground. And certainly like Exxon doesn't. Right. So maybe they were well-meaning. Maybe they are not well-meaning. Maybe the reason that like Venezuela is in such the crapper or North Korea, like looks so bad to us is sanctions, you know, like, cause mm. China was not a victim of sanctions. They had freaking Mao who killed tens, if not like a hundred million people, not a good guy, not a good system. It to me is either communist or fascist, depending on how you look at it. And they prosper like crazy because they were in on the on the deal with us. So like I look at some of these guys and I think, yes, you can say, well, just look at Venezuela and hate communism. Look at Bolivia, hate communism. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe not. Like, I really don't know because you won't because and this is what I'm getting to. What I love and defend, you know, capitalism is, you know, put it in quotes because even capital itself is like fiat money. I, I can't think of it without thinking of just like a piece of paper and a kid with a green crayon, like drawing a picture of George Washington and like here, <laughs> you know, like that's not, it's nothing anymore. So I just, I can't even call it capitalism, but I love the free market. I love entrepreneurship. I love right. liberty. I love it all. But, but like I saw it when I saw the two wings of the same bird with Democrats and Republicans, but it's bigger than that in that there is a global fascism, you know, and there are countercultural people who are out for true communism. And I actually was reading the stuff about Gladio and the Pope and everything. And it seems like socialism was the kind of, you know, quote, capitalist plot against communism that they were Mm. like, well, we'll just tax them and feed them you know, and tax the middle class and feed the poor. And then we'll keep that 
communist thing away. Now, why are they really afraid of the communist thing? Like maybe they were sincere. I don't want any part of it, but I have to just, I even question kind of like the tenets of my, the economic stuff, you know, like the, right. the real pure economics, which I love. And I could do like the maths all day long, oh, but wow. I, cool. <laughs> I start to think about, you know, who's running that show or whatever, yeah, the, yeah. you know, like why are they the, using the Fibonacci sequence in the, the stock yeah, market? Like what's that yes, about? Right. It's, and it's just these globalists <laughs> and stuff. And they'll just, um, I just don't feel like I feel bereft of ideology at the moment. Like, I feel like I just can't, I just don't have a team anymore because it's all such crap. So that's why what I really just like is smart people who come from a good place. And I try not to judge mm -hmm. that they think that government is a legitimate way to run a country. <laughs> you know, like right. for me, that's a radical thought. Like mostly everybody else thinks that's normal, <laughs> but like a benevolent monarch, you know, that would be kind of my second choice anyway. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe this whole thing of, um, like pure anarchy, obviously, I mean, this people have thought of this before just plays into the notion of like world government or right, corporate right. world control, because you've given up any, any authority that you can actually control. Yeah. I run into that a lot these days where it's like, well, for a long time, I felt like, okay, my wife and I, my son, we have to get out of here, out of suburbia. We have to go into the middle of nowhere and live there. Right. But then, you know, as time went on, as I got more knowledgeable, I'm like, well, wait a minute, what's out there, but more land that they own, right? What is off grid when they own everything yeah. and where are you going to, what country are you going to like? And it's almost like all the solutions that a normal human being comes up with as a reaction to yes. all these things, all these yeah. purposeful actions, all the reactions are getting cornered off. And, and then you, know, you and see like every curtain you pull back is like another curtain, you know, and, even, and it's everywhere. Property you taxes. Like you right. can't prepay your property taxes. Yeah. Isn't that you interesting? Can't prepay them. So they can, they always have a claim except for like Croatia. I was like, right. there's a few places that don't do it. I was like, maybe you just need to buy land in Croatia. Cause once you own it, they can't take it away from you. There's yeah. no like, you know, because here it just ticks up. Like there's just this debt that ticks up. And it's, you can't get out from under it. But yes, I feel like I do sometimes wonder that, like, as we have all of our political conversations, all the politicians, every single thing is just a layer upon layer right. of bullshit. And that's why I couldn't just read it anymore. I stepped back from having a daily show because I just couldn't, I can't read the newspaper every single day anymore. Where you felt like you were like reading distraction or something or, or. Yeah. It's, I would just read the almost. newspaper to, <laughs> to find the bullshit. And I was like, I can't just read the newspaper to see, you know, I get it there. I just can't, I, it was, exhausting and i feel like i really want to get to a, a deeper truth and then you've got the problem with the ufo thing so i mm. during lockdown i started watching the x-files from the beginning so i never awesome. really it's so great and i never really and i love sci-fi i never really watched the whole thing so i'm on like season 11 i'm with like you know Mulder's not even in it anymore right yeah <laughs> so but the way they put the layers and layers it's like every at some point, like sometimes there are aliens, sometimes it's the government, sometimes right. it's both, but they're different. Yeah. And so how do you, so like my layers of bullshit are the uh, politics mm -hmm. with you. How do you sift through that? 
So this, thank you so much for asking me that. I don't think I've really ever been asked that. And maybe, maybe my answer will leak into your brain and maybe you can use it a little <laughs> bit too. Yeah. I come from a very psychedelic background. That's That was actually my interest in aliens beyond childhood, of course, and the movies that were pushed on us. But um, yeah, it came from psychedelics because that really opened me up to, I was like becoming an atheist back then. I was about 17, 18 years old. Then I had this experience and I was like, whoops, not an atheist. Don't know what I am anymore, you know, and started reading through all the literature and for whatever reason my psychedelic initial experience drove me to psychology philosophy religion and the ufo topic um all of those kind of together a little bit of paranormal i was even doing a show that i i haven't really kept up with but it was called the witness where i kind of listened to paranormal stories ufo stories out of body near death and go how are these the same thing? How are we as humans dealing with the same thing, right? And my constant, uh, you know, have you seen the Leonardo DiCaprio movie about dreams? The, what was it, Inception? Oh, Inception, he's, yeah, he's got the little, that was excellent. Yeah, he's got the little spinny thing that like keeps him grounded. <laughs> my grounding was, I think I found it, I would say mostly from like Buddhism, which put so much focus on the yourself and the authentic experience, I guess you could call it. And it's like, I hear people saying one thing about aliens and then I have my experiences that kind of echo a lot of visitation stories, but it happened from a psychedelic perspective. So right off the bat, I thought, okay, so my experience is valid. That person is probably telling the truth about their experience. And, you know, you get that whole, the the was that line that everybody used well i believe that you believe it you know like, <laughs> yeah. sure that's the only Gosh, thing we that can infuriates do. me i came back from my psychedelic experience having to have faith for the first time in my life because i couldn't verify anything that just happened to me and i was like but i can't prove what just fucking happened and my wow. brain literally repressed all the so what important happened shit right so what happened what in the psychedelic experience yeah what happened yeah i met god or something what I site was it were you in peru like no was it no i was in or... umass amherst i was in zoomass wow, wow and um yeah i ended up just in my head for eight nine hours and the message was it's always been okay it always is okay wow. and it always Good will trip. be okay it was the biggest hug i've ever felt in my life it was why i felt it was instant therapy so i felt it was an, you know like a gnostic i think gnostic has like two very different meanings but like it does know... one is paranoid and one is true <laughs> okay well you have to tell me about that too sure absolutely and it all connects but to go back to your question about how i kind of um sift through the bullshit i go back to myself and i go back to the, the human being, almost like Occam's razor in a way. Like, okay, I believe that there's tech going on out here. I believe that we're seeing tech in the sky. I don't think every amateur yeah. video is from someone that knows how to Photoshop. I don't think that way. But I also think it's the government. I also absolutely think it's human made. And I'm going to start there. That doesn't mean I'll end up there because I talked to God under mushrooms. So I'm okay. <laughs> I watched my visual reality disappear on DMT. Like something's fucky with this place for sure. But when people go off and say, I met 10 foot lizards, 
I don't play, I'm not going to talk about sports anymore. I'm going to talk about this for the next 30 years. And then it's going to just morph into the vaccine stuff. And you know, it's, yeah, it's a, an interesting landscape. And I think anyone that says they know for a fact what's happening or where the entities are coming from or this or that is lying. And it's very similar to how religions come about. Clearly these happen because we have an internal experience that is indescribable, but we come back and we have to use our egos and our logical thinking minds Mm -hmm. to put together that ineffable experience. So it's never, ever going to come out right. It's going to come out maybe with a few close little things, right? Like the urban legend always has a little truth in it. So basically, long story short, I kind of try to go back to the observer mentality of it. And I go, okay, well, if someone thinks they have the answers, they're probably wrong. And if they're coming from the government who's been lying about this for 70 years on purpose, and in some instances, getting people to go crazy or kill themselves just to keep the charade up, I'm not going to believe any of those people. Right. And it kind of, this is where we will kind of intersect because we now have government agents or, oh, sorry, quote unquote, former government agents <laughs> being the good old boys, yeah. being the, the best friends of the UFO community. And, oh, yeah. we're going to do it right this time. Oh, you're going to reset I mean, I don't know it? who you're talking about, but like that's anytime okay. anyone Elizondo. does that. That's it's one good. of them. Yeah. Any uh, Richard Doty is another one. This might interest you. Richard Doty in 2012 was the star of a documentary called Mirage Men. Mirage Men was this. All right. Here's what we did to you guys. We're not like that anymore. And it was all about this man in naval intelligence who discovered this citizen who was living very close to Area 51 site Four, and was seeing a lot of stuff. So Richard Doty was put in place to send him on wild goose chases and become buddy. And this man lost his family. He lost his living. He lost everything and ended up killing himself. And instead of, oh, it's so terrible, this documentary, because it's basically throwing all that into a little pile and going, see, that's what was happening. Now I'm coming clean. Now, Richard Doty, fast forward to 2022. He is a a huggable, lovable member of the UFO community. He's on panels left and right. So to me, he told you everything that he was going to continue to do. Right. And it was the, the documentary was made by a company called Perception Management. No way. The only other, <laughs> they got two documentaries, that one about Richard Doty and another one about Andy Kaufman, the most controversial comedian of all time, who f- faked his, you know, who knows, he? maybe it's still him in the costume, right? So it's almost like telling you what they're doing with their first documentary and then doing it with their second. Yeah, but, well, I mean, they, they do paranoia. give it dead giveaway. No, they anybody who was involved i you know i can never you just can't leave the cia maybe some people have but they're really not i'm sorry but they've been tainted and they cannot be a trusted source even if they are like even if they mean to like they're gonna have to do it in a way that it doesn't involve themselves like they they should reveal real information to people who can verify it do behind the scenes you know what i'm saying like you just i cannot trust them right so i mean what can you do there that's true but but as far as so I, I will give you this. I, I agree. It's like impossible to know. I have not 
I don't recall having met God personally, although I'm a practicing <laughs> Catholic. I like, I really, there is something like, again, archetypal about my relationship with the other dimension. Mm. And I really love, like, I consider Catholicism to be very like analytical and, you know, just very like what you were saying about you have to like fit your experience, your innate understanding into like earthly. So I tried right. to do, I did yoga. I was doing yoga and I was like, wow, who invented yoga? It's so cool. And then I read, of course, like, this is exactly what I'll always do. So I got the yoga sutras, which were from 3,500 years ago. And I was yeah. like, oh, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to do this. And I'll tell you, it would take me like an hour and a half to do the dishes. Cause I'd be like, wow, I really appreciate this dish. And oh, the Zen. Yeah. Yes. I like just loved it. And you know, my kids were like, I, I'd be like, I'm just not worried about anything. I mean, I missed planes. I would forget to make my kids <laughs> lunch. Like I had three kids in diapers, you know, you cannot get Zen. And I was like, oh, this does not work in the Western world at all. Like that is not a way to live. You can't do it. So I Good had point. to, yeah, I had to jam my um, spirituality into something that was viable here. And I also feel like what they say with, with your eyes, like if you watch a TV show and somehow like the sound got off sync with the video, you will only notice that after it's like, um, you know, a full second or something, it can have a lot, a lot of variation and you will not notice the increment at all mm -hmm. because your, your mind smooths it. And I feel like there's some of that going on because I am very black and white. Like this table is made of table. Like it right. is not, it is not made of imagination. <laughs> it's made of table. And maybe it is made of imagination, but I don't care at all because it's not important to me right. at all. I but love I that. You know, I can't figure out where we came from. Like there, there's Darwin just is mathematically incorrect. Like mm -hmm. there's just no chance of that. So now we're stuck with, no wonder they invented Darwin. You oh, know, because, absolutely. Because yeah. they needed something for people to hang their minds on. Because once you lose that, which I only lost, you know, later in life, once you lose that, you, you're just stuck with like no idea. Like I've got right. no idea and neither do you. Mm -hmm. And that's all there is to it. And, and it's got to be something, I think, I think it has to be something that operates on laws outside the universe because it created, you know, it's a create, like order doesn't come from chaos, mm. right? Order doesn't come from chaos. So I can't have just like turned into a human being with abstract thought, like, can't have done that. Right. I don't like randomness either. Yeah. So, so it has to be something other dimensional and that's right. as far as I get, I'm calling it God. That's fair. And no, that's totally you. fair. I, I think, <laughs> I think that's probably the original way or reason why God, the word God was used. Cause so I go way, way back into history and I've been learning that phonetically God may have meant good. And it related to like uh intention, like gut, gut good oh, it yeah. was actually pronounced yeah, yeah. gut in yeah. certain languages. so like yeah right yes and that's where i yeah um but i think just to have the placeholder is fine i've i started using god the word the term right after that first psychedelic yeah. trip and all my friends were like excuse me and Not i was yet. like yeah yep, don't like I'm it i know it. but i never that's the thing you know a lot of people will go directly to a uh, a belief structure that already exists right after you come back from an experience like that uh, a lot of um you know addiction can very easily lead to you know finding jesus and all that and shit power to everybody that does it um it's interesting though because again that's like that filtering back down into logic 
right? From that ineffable, right? It's so wild. But here's what I did. This is how come I settled on going back to the yeah, that's faith fine. tradition I was born. Oh yeah, no, I- I, I I'm You hear worst. enough about Catholicism in this community. I'm, I'm you're clearly aware of- yeah. I'm the worst Catholic too, because I'll be like, I don't know if it's right. Like, I don't know if there's a God, but like, I'm just doing, you know, I have a priest who listens to me and I love him. Like, I'll- it, communicate with him and I love him and he'll just like, okay, it's okay. But like, you got like a lot of doctrine wrong. And he's like, it's okay that you're not sure there's a God. Like just, you know, proceed with caution when you're actually saying, so I, I like, I love church, I like to go to church. But what I did was I was struggling with it. And what my mother says, what she did, she said she was, I was 19 years old and I just, I just decided it was a better way to live. You know, and this hey. is when she's 93 and she like prays for four hours a day. And I'm like, wow, you decide it was better. That's it. And it's and like intentional like right there. Right? Like yeah, I'm going to intentionally live this way for me. I did. not Yeah. She doesn't care about the. She totally believes in God because she just decided not to stop questioning. And when I decided to just suspend questioning it, I that's a long story I won't get into. But one pivotal element of it was I looked back at what the Greeks said. I was like, OK, let's say Socrates was the smartest guy. Let's like go mm -hmm. back and see how much progress we have made in really proving the nature of that thing, mm -hmm. God or the creator, the, the prime mover unmoved. Mm -hmm. And in my brief survey, I concluded we made zero progress <laughs> at all, you know, in defining and proving any characteristics of that other. And I was like, I am not wasting these 80 or 90 years on that. I'm not picking. trying to figure <laughs> Right. So, you know, me like 20 years later than my mom did. And she's like, you're the smart one. I'm like, you're the smart one. So, so yeah, so I totally, I get it completely and it gives me a lot of comfort and I just stopped, <clears throat> you know, I, I really fully embrace, is it like Pascal's theorem? Like I fully embrace that. I am not worrying about whether there's a God or not. I'm hundred percent. Like it gives me comfort here. The, and it, this, I got from the yoga thing from mm -hmm. Swami Sachi Dananda. He said, or was it Patanjali? I can't remember which one was saying it, like the author or the original, but he said the answer <clears throat> to the question of whether or not there's a God, it's unanswerable, but mm -hmm. it is also irrelevant because the answer as to how to live is the same. And that is to free yourself from desire. Mm -hmm. And you can't, and so you can't like, you cannot be happy here. You cannot be happy here. No matter how much you earn and consume and paint on your face or whatever, you're never going to be happy because you're pursuing something that you can't have that image that you want will always move a little bit further. And then also you cannot get comfortable with dying. If you are attached to these earthly things that you've like cultivated this relationship with that you put all your life force into, you can't leave it. Mm. So the, and the thing, Catholicism is the exact same thing, like materialism, pride, vanity, like these are serious, like they're almost like deal breakers of sin yeah. because you cannot, you know, and the same thing like practice. Yoga was like, you have to practice. It's not intellectual. So you have to do yoga so that you can sit there for three hours and meditate. Like that was the origin of that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I thought about it. And so Catholicism requires that you go to mass. It requires that you go to confession, requires right. this communion, everything. And I thought, oh, I get that because it's practice. And my mother, my mother at this stage, because she's like, you know, ascended to the level of, you know, Buddha of a Catholic, uh -huh. she doesn't need to go to church. She just, it completely lives and absorbs hundred percent. 
I do need it. Like I do need that connection. I need communion. Like I totally need that. And I, but I just, I realized those elements are similar across the board and they serve a real function. And so I just, I don't, I, I embrace it, you know, like I'm not going to defend it. Maybe I should defend my faith. I absolutely cannot. I think it's something you have to find inside yourself, but I love it. I'm happy with beautifully, it. Beautifully, beautifully yeah. said that was perfect. And I think you're the first Catholic I've talked to in a very long time where I feel very authentic in appreciating your perspective on Catholicism. It's hard because <laughs> for the most part, I'm like, what about the priest? And of what course, about this? of and course. But I was raised by good Catholics who told me since right. I was a little kid, they were just like, you know, <laughs> pedophiles and masons are completely infiltrated the catholic church <laughs> like this pope sucks and you know it's like, like awesome. my mom like i think the pope drinks baby's blood she's like i don't know but i'll tell you i've been a catholic longer than he was so when he says something wrong i'm gonna i know it i well, know it this yeah. one didn't he recently yes. tell all the catholics that they shouldn't have a personal relationship with jesus because it's dangerous it should only go through the church that's wow. yeah and that's dangerous know, right the liberals kind of like him and it's not true it's not actually yeah. true like you have to have the your ultimate guide the only reason i could even go back to the church was that your ultimate guide has to be your conscience it has to be you're required yeah. to follow your conscience and you have to educate it and inform it but he's wrong on a million levels, but it doesn't matter because I was also always taught like the church is the people mm -hmm. and not not those authorities at all. They only have authority in very rare cases, mm -hmm. very rare. Like, mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, my priest friend is going to freak out. If I, I, I don't know. <laughs> he the pope is infallible only in matters of faith and morals, and he rarely right. speaks ex cathedra. In my lifetime, he has not spoken ex cathedra. No, he's mostly just talking about UFOs and woke, <laughs> wokeism and stuff like that. It's weird what's being allowed. It's almost to me, and maybe you can speak to this as a Catholic. To me, it feels like all the decisions that are being made, where I'm reading them, I'm going, "Oh, that's going to make a lot of people mad." It seems like that's on purpose, like because we were talking a little bit about it earlier with with uh, anarchy where you go too far while well, they're getting what they want right the, like it's that whole thing where uh you ever heard a revelation of method yes definitely yes. And i have a different take flimsy. on that i would love to hear it it's flimsy it's of course but at the same time it's like yeah the more we say our government sucks and the church sucks and this sucks and it's all fall. Oh, and it's all, every industry is connected to this monster. So it's all bad. They're just going good. Okay. The country will yes. be dissolved in a matter of moments. Right. Yes. And then we can yes. move in with our global plan. <laughs> That's why I feel like they give us people like Pelosi and stuff to hate so that we'll <laughs> yeah, throw out bad. the baby with the bathwater. And that's why I right. defend the bill of rights. Like I'm like, yes, you can throw out the constitution, and everything, but there is somebody waiting for you not to have those rights. Like it's the thin parchment line between us and world tyranny is that the whole world looks to the U S and that document. Mm -hmm. And when, if they convince us to give up that fight and they really exploit, uh, especially African-Americans in this country, because, well, of course it would be in this country. So mm -hmm. uh, because of the history of slavery and the inherent contradiction in the constitution, and the the this is what I got a lot out of my callers in Atlanta is like, don't be fooled. And and this is something like from Bastiat's The Law, although I cannot, maybe it was an impression I got when I read The Law because I did have somebody ask me to like pinpoint the phrase. Mm -hmm. I can't, but the idea was don't be very careful not to 
dispose of your tyrants and replace them with your own tyranny. Like don't yes. you become the tyrants. So that's what they're trying to get people to do with like the, I think with the DEI stuff and the critical race theory, they literally say like, we need to have reverse discrimination. We need to, um, and that is just, a you know, it's just keeping that framework in place and just changing out, not even the real right. people in control, but the people who appear to be in control. Yes. And we continue to think they're in control. I know. Uh, I and know. you know, that's, oh my God, we can peel back the layers. Like how many podcasts have you heard? Like, yep, these are the definitive 13 families that have been around forever. <laughs> it's like, well, why would we know those names then? So I, I have no idea. Right? And I've been trying to figure this out for a long time. I have no idea who's truly at the top. Right. But one of the things you said, I think is interesting. And I really also try to get to the bottom of it. There's so much back and forth, so much infighting. There's so much stuff that I can and do know or think I know about what they're really up to and who's mm -hmm. really the bad guy. And they give us so many people to hate, so many villains. I mean, Klaus Schwab is like a straight out of, you know, casting of like the super Bond villain. Like yeah. it's so obvious. And, I, you know, why do they present it that way? And there has to be a reason. And same thing with like probably the UFO stuff. Like, oh, yeah. you know, it's definitely their tech. But then they say that there are UFOs they lead you down that path. Like it's, I, you know, I don't even know if it really is the Hegelian dialectic that we all call the dialectic, but there's definitely like that back and forth thing that maybe it that just divide and conquer. Yeah. The closest I can think is like when they hide the food for a bear in the zoo, like some bears can't, won't eat if they don't have to find it. Mm. So they hide it. And there's like, you know what I mean? Like I'm not Dude. eating anything that's on the front page of the wall street journal. Like I'm I never like that. eating that. Yeah. You know, there is a not very popular. A lot of people get yelled at for proposing it. Um, I don't, but I'm in the middle on it. I like it. This very psychedelic idea that beyond all these scales that we constantly argue and converse about that there act that there's a benevolent force behind all those all these actions. And that's a, it's, it's a very hard pill to swallow. Right. And the only thing I can do is go, well, all right. When the lockdowns happened, in a way, they were telling us to go within. <laughs> you can kind of look at it that way. But it's not that they themselves would be uh, aware of their uh, goodness. It's almost like, and this may be getting a little too psychedelic, but it's like up close, it's evil and there's all these different parts moving. And then the further away in scale you get, it becomes, well, closer and closer to this god's masterpiece right so on some level is that like okay let me give you this i don't know if you'll if it's a question or just a statement we'll see what you go where you go with it for me when i took psychedelics i found the conspiracy theorist was in here and committing all the crimes hiding all the truth from me all the things that i was ignoring about my past patterns i didn't know i was doing he was in here and he had to die, right? That's the the ego death that you've probably heard about. Yeah, yes, I have. Although you're gonna have to flesh out what you're saying. Keep going. Yeah, that's fine. Um, basically, it's that you know any bad habits people have, a lot of times they go into themselves, whether it's through therapy, psychedelics, meditation, whatever, and they have to face those traumas head on and realize, oh, it was like this egoic side of myself that was trying to just keep me safe, trying to keep me in these circles and pretend everything was okay. And it protects us from really learning like how terrible things might've been, you know, and not to say that this has to be like your upright, your up, upbringing was terrible. It's just 
getting through this world, especially how fucked up it is, is traumatizing. And I think we're constantly as children just pushing that trauma down, right? And so, for me, yeah, I look, going. yeah, just to, I'll flesh no, keep, it out. You, for you keep a going. Bit. Yeah, no, keep going. I look at everything fractally. I look at the individual as a very small microcosm to the macrocosm of humanity. And I look at that and I go, are the elites, is the cabal, is that the ego? Is that this collective ego that refuses to acknowledge what it's doing too? Like, that's where we get into the compartmentalization. You know, Ron Paul is a great guy, it seems like. And Rand Paul, they, they both seem like they're fighting for the right things, right? And maybe they are. They don't even have to be clued into the fact that keeping this country going is or keeping this government going, keeping this establishment going is oh, part yeah. of a much bigger plan, right? You know, that oh, whole idea. Yes, like when Ronald Reagan and Volcker like jacked up interest rates, they saved right. fiat currency. Otherwise, right. they would have gone back to the gold standard. I know. Dude, I'm like, I have another great example of this. Yeah. Trump, right? I saw him one day with like his arm around a Columbus statue. They want to take away your history. No, from the, from the, you know, the torch wavers. It's like, yeah, but you're literally, you have your arm around fake history and you're trying to make sure that people want to fight for it. So it's like, yeah, it's just that constant. Wait, you've really got, you're blowing my mind here on like the cabal <laughs> is the ego. Hey, okay. All right. Let's, um, let's go with this. <laughs> yeah. So because this is what thought just appeared in my mind when you were saying that was that, you know, what is the cabal? Like, I don't think right. they're lizards. I really no. don't. You know, I don't. That's think an ancient symbol. Of, yeah. Yeah. The aware ones, the adepts. I don't, I don't think they're they're non-human at all. Like, I don't think there's anything supernatural going on on with the human beings who are running things. And, you know, maybe. I always feel like there's a lot of coordination. I'm starting to wonder a little bit now because of the Ukraine thing. Like I just, it doesn't really seem like Putin's colluding. Although when the China, the Xi Jinping or whatever, however you pronounce the name and Putin mm -hmm. get together and kind of echo the exact same mechanisms by which they're going to control their half of the world. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't feel like I'm in the presence of heroes, obviously, right. uh, but are, you know, at that, where you can see that schism like happening. It's like they could have all been friends, but then, you know, somebody went too far and, mm. you know, the Rand Corporation decided to to poke the bear. Like I have a document right. that it's from 2019, like they definitely decided to like even the way it played out in Belarus, like go to Belarus, try to buy the guy off. If you won't take the money, start some protests, you know, like it was <laughs> scripted. Jesus. So, so that looks like the place where the rubber hits the road to me, mm -hmm. like that looks like it, but then you have to, even if, okay. So then you're saying, all right, that's the realm. So we can see the actual actors who are doing stuff, you know, right. or can you like, maybe you can make, like, it looks like you're seeing actual people. Like those are players, like right. real players. Um, and maybe, maybe it isn't, but like, what is the nature of that power? Like who is at the top? How does it, how does it like last through generations? Like what is the mechanism where it's not just like wealth that's squandered? And then the one, one thing that might be a threat. And then I want to hear like what your kind of like a free association answer to that is, yes. is that in London, if you walk around, like, and I know people live there and stuff, you can see like cornerstones in the square that's still named for that earl whatever and that earl's family 
still owns those places because the way mm-hmm. they do it is the way they did Hong Kong. Like they'll give you a 99 year lease, but they right. were on the, the the receiving end on Hong Kong, which was, you know, probably hurt. Mm-hmm. But so if you want to buy an apartment in London, you get a 99, you get a piece of this 99 year leasehold. Like you can trade it. You can buy a place and live in it for 10 years. And then you're giving, I think it works like this. You give an 89 year leasehold. Like it doesn't, okay. you know, because then the original family gets it back. So that is what I always thought was like the inherent problem where we don't have that. Like our, our property, we have like a rule against perpetuities, whatever, like our property changes hands. You're never desperate because dead people don't own land here. Right. Because if dead people own land, like you run out of land quickly. But if oh, dead yeah. people aren't allowed to own land, you don't. So in England, it feels like there's an intergenerational like capture of all that is real, like real estate, the real. And maybe that's yeah. a piece of like who's really behind it all. I don't know. But like the queen who just died, or they're telling us she just died yesterday. <laughs> just yes. <laughs> who knows? Her hologram uh, but, glitched out for the final time. <laughs> yes, exactly. So she, so somebody just says to me like, who cares about the queen? She has no power. And I was like, um, I think she owns almost everything. I don't know exactly, but you know, I was talking to to an Australian guy and he was like, Oh, I think we're going to probably try to become a Republic now. Yeah. I I mean, they're not a Republic. Right. Oh, did you see that? It was just, I saw that too. Just I didn't even read the whole article or anything. I saw that. I never even thought of that. I was like, kind of knew she had like, she could control it, but she could, she doesn't. You know, she only did it the one time about 50 years ago. She just swapped out the president and people mm-hmm. were just like, she's allowed to do that. And like, well, yeah, now that, you know, she's allowed to do it. She never has to do it again because right, exactly. you're going to call her before you do something stupid. Right. So but anyway, so like there is that 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 intergenerational element to the British Empire, which may still just, you know, maybe as simple as that. And like mm-hmm. they're still trying to subdue Russia and China. I don't know. So. Now, where's like, what do you think? What am I thinking right now? Well, the first thing comes to mind when you you mentioned British Empire, and I don't know how this plays into it entirely, but you know, the Queen has said that she is a direct descendant of Mohammed, and there's a really? lot of interesting shit. You sure about in that? that? I am sure about that quote, but I don't know any of the details beyond right, right. that. I okay. will admit, I don't really, I haven't studied a lot of no, um, me neither. Middle Eastern. Uh, genealogy or anything like that. Oh, I haven't studied I her stuff bef- really at all. This is just, no. these are just impressions that I, I'm trying to figure out how it really works. Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, because of my psychedelic interest and the uh, symbolism, that darker occult side, I mean, I, I've been, you know, waiting in the secret society culture for decades. And that seems to be how things get passed through the generations right. where the easy example is they're lizards. They they're sucking baby's yeah. blood and they're living forever. All right. Well, no, they're not because they're using transhumanism to hopefully be able to do that, to, to be able to just live forever, you know, but I the did, secret societies. I did know an old family, a guy okay. I went to, I worked with, and he was from a really old European family. And he said to me that, you know, I, you know, somebody wrote down a long time ago, kind of like rules to live by and they didn't tell anybody <laughs> what they were, but they lived by them. And I was like, <laughs> really? And then they let and, everybody else just. Yeah. Like, did they write it down? Like, oh, yeah, it's written down. Like, can I see it? It's like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. 
first. No, you you may not see it. And um, I believe the original document was written by a woman, but I do not think women are allowed to read it. So there's some like, you know, interesting. Yeah, matriarchal. You could really get into some symbolism there, but it was specific. It wasn't like a general thing. It wasn't like a Masonic thing. It was just mm. specific. Well, yeah, that would make sense. You know, oh, and that's ahead. kind of interesting. You know, I just think that's interesting, like mm. that you mentioned that you think it's secret societies. And I feel like if you're savvy and you can put money in trusts and you tell people what to do, like maybe the law isn't going to enforce it. Like we have a rule against perpetuities, mm-hmm. but the wisdom, the legacy, that you're inheriting, they spend like the, the way my father instilled in me, like the principles of Bastiat, even though I didn't know it was Bastiat or, you know, that Ron Paul awakened in us when we were burning dollar bills. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe, you know, if that's your priority to pass those values down, you could just do it like that. Maybe. Very good. I like that. Um, I mean, and that, that would plug into secret size. I think maybe they're parallel. Well, it does. And it's weird too, because uh, from what I know, and I have a, honestly, I I've said it on the show before. I have a very, very good friend who's a Freemason. He's been a Freemason for a, a long time. It Masons, helped yeah. him with his addictions yes. and all that, you know, a lot of good stuff. Uh, he's recently thought about leaving because he says they know so much and they don't care to do or help the rest of the world i don't know wow. if they're evil do you know what level he's at because i only yeah, know he's, like he's bought he's he never guys he, yeah he's the guy that doesn't even want to ascend he just loves yeah. spending time in their libraries yeah. and all that he's a oh wow i only actually i should say i only know one guy and he mm. said to me like you know i'm a mason right he's like no i don't care <laughs> he's like I mean, because I know you think it badly, man. I'm just like, hey, man, did they tell you that God is really the devil yet? Because <laughs> until you get to that level, oh, I'm Yahweh? sure mm. I'm sure you're tell just, you about that too. <laughs> I'm not worried about your your like volunteering at the children's hospital. Right, right. Exactly. You know? <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing, it. right? You said, you know, it's been uh, hijacked. Things get hijacked. And like you said at the very beginning, and this is a sentiment I love using. I say it all the time. There are always and only going to hijack the things that we find valuable because they they just that's how they work because it's and they do it in a way that's so close to what the truth might kind of be that you get lost like this is kind of where i wanted to take us eventually into the whole political aspect of psychedelics being legalized and all yes, that yes okay know? let's do it because when i first so I used to, and I think it was like 2013. So I've, I had, I think my show started, my radio show started like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end of every year and the end beginning of the year, I would always say like the year in like look back and then the year ahead, I would make predictions. Oh, cool. <laughs> and so one of them, I remember as soon as Colorado made stuff legal, I immediately was like, every state will fall. Every state will fall. Like that was... They weren't allowing it and now they're allowing it. Therefore, it will happen because they don't ever allow. They decide and there's a purpose. And then as I dug and dug, I found that George Soros had contributed $4 million to the media campaign in Colorado to get pot legalized. Oh, he's just a nice old guy. He's right, exactly. I said he you know? did not do that because he loves you and wants you to be free. Right. Like that is not why he did that. And uh, so my conclusion was like, obviously drugs are, you know, I, I like to get high. Yeah, I don't smoke pot. I like to drink alcohol and it's fun and I relax. Mm. So I don't, I think it's, it is actually 
I was raised that it was a sin to get drunk. Like you cannot oh. get drunk, but Jesus drank wine and you can have a little wine and you know, God created <laughs> heaven and earth and wine. And he said it was good. Right. Right. So it's fine for me. But, um, so I feel like in moderation, obviously all things, but it's drugs are dangerous. Like, I'm not sure that like weed that grows out of the ground is anywhere near as dangerous as what happened after they made it legal. And now it's like synthetic and liquid. And, right. but, you know, I know people, I was at the fair, the well, like the last dead show, whatever it was long after Jerry was dead. So it's like not the last, it was like the 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm. So there were people kind of my peer group kind of touch of gray heads who were there and uh, never had seen any of this vapey stuff before. And a couple of people went to the hospital. Wow. I don't know like how different it is. Right. But like for a normal person who is used to like shit growing out of the ground. Right. Parent pot. That's what I used to call it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that this is just, it's a, it's like a hard drug comparatively speaking. And that's, you know, that, I lost two siblings to hard drugs. Like Mm -hmm. I there's and other people in my family too, quite tragically. Mm -hmm. So it's dangerous stuff. And it's easy to see how the people who control the policies and stuff are going to be able to plus not to mention when you were growing in your backyard, it wasn't, they didn't, regulated to require, you know, chemical right. treatment. They couldn't know, tax it or anything nuts. Like that. Yeah, it's just nuts. And anything that's taxed is promoted. So I just feel like there was a lot of like dangerous stuff there. And I said, you know, what might happen is they need that money, like 70% of all the dollar volume of drugs was pot back then when it was illegal. And I was like, right. they're going to switch us to probably opioids. Like, they're going, I said it at the time, like they are going to, the only way they can make up that, those, that black money is by promoting other kinds of drugs. Now I don't, I've seen that that did actually happen, that other drugs did rise after that, which is kind of weird, like logically. So I feel like they, they really know what they're doing. They don't put policies down that, uh, you know, don't have a purpose. And I feel like if you read the report from Iron Mountain, they talked about like a euphemized form of slavery, a euphemized form of slavery. So they would say like, you know, you should be a slave to drugs, a slave to debt. Like you, mm-hmm. they just want you to be enslaved. They right. wanted people to just warehouse them as soldiers. And, and I always think that like, similarly, they warehouse you in colleges, you know, mm. you, you leave your family, like that's the new draft. Absolutely. And they give you the money, then you're an indentured servant. So like, there's a lot of that kind of slavery inherent in the system. And I feel like they, when they get too many people, maybe too many males, like a lot of times they'll have a war and kill everybody. Mm-hmm. But if they could just like numb everybody instead, like that was maybe what the pot thing was for. Mm-hmm. And I've just seen for a while that psychedelics are going to are on the rise. And I don't know if I don't, you know, psychedelics can be so powerful as a way to, to find some inner truth. Right. But that's it. They have to have a trick up their sleeve. Like there has to be a reason. And maybe it's like the way some people think they intentionally provoke autism, Mm -hmm. that they make a certain kind of worker, maybe, you know, people microdose at work. You know, I know people literally microdose at work. Does that like lower your productivity, lower your expectations or make you a better worker, you know, make you a better slave? I really don't know, but there's no chance they're doing it because they love us and they want us to be happy and enlightened and closer to God. That's not, 
That's definitely not why, but and they are doing it. That's an interesting point about like being a more productive or less productive worker too, because like for a long time, I mean, George Carlin, right. You, you know, you got the coffee, right. That's all you need to keep you stimulated and working yeah. smart enough to run the machines and dumb enough to not notice the red, white, and blue dick that's fucking you in the ass. Right. I was a banker and I remember oh, I, when I was an investment banker, there was people would point out to like the pictures on the walls, like still had like razor lines in it. And they were like, we would do Coke all night to get these deals done. <laughs> right. And I was like, where's all the Coke? Like, Oh, the, you know, Nancy Reagan, like no more drugs. And that's when Starbucks took off. So then, the, <laughs> then they had free Starbucks, which will really upset your stomach if you're staying up for 40 hours straight, four zero hours straight like I was. I was like, <laughs> I guess you guys should just bring back the Coke. Okay? Right. It'll be I, much easier. <laughs> right. I, you will get more out of me because I am now sick as a dog drinking like, you know, 15 cups of Starbucks. But I remember like as as they live as Nancy Reagan, like gave rise to this like Starbucks revolution. I felt like that anyway. But yes, yeah, so I feel like it could be I mean, that seems like what everything is about now, because I just did a thing about the student loan forgiveness. And I was mm -hmm. like, his original plan for student loans was that co community college should be free. It should be merged with high school. And the counselors in middle school will feed the kids into um, one of two things. It's like uh, coding or cybersecurity. Like there's oh just God. two things. And, and the analogy, the actual wording in one of the analysis of his original plan for college was, We'll have those counselors work for the students, not the school, the way doctors work for the patient, not the hospital. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I was like, after lockdown, Jesus. like to think about the, the, to the concept that your doctor you. was caring about you above his job at the hospital is just preposterous. Oh. And if he did do that, he wouldn't be at the hospital any longer. Right. So I'm positive like that. So it seems to me that they, that the, world corporation that is taking over which mm -hmm. is where we started i was like i'm a little worried that being an anarchist is playing into their hands right you know but that they that all like all policies lead to salesforce you know mm -hmm. <laughs> right to, right you know the gig and maybe it maybe it's because people will maybe it's like stem training but for the mind like you're not going to actually be confident in a civics environment if you are kind of microdosing a little bit because things are groovy mm. i don't know for <laughs> right sure. you may, may want to just lay in a field or something like, yeah right? i mean i'm gonna take the tolls you know i'm just gonna take the tolls because it's kind of rhythmic and mm. you know, they say like toll collectors <laughs> are very happy is that funny yeah. like switchboard operators because they get to like live in they get to like depersonalize while while their body is doing the right work. and maybe that helps you know that maybe that helps mm. So from my perspective, it's weird too, because like, again, the psychedelics have their roots, well, in a lot of places, but including a lot of the symbolism in secret societies and where those lead back to in history. I don't know if you're familiar with a book that came out a few years back called, um, oh, it was called The Religion, The Immortality Key. Oh, I have The, the Immortality Oh, you key. do. Have you read yeah. it? So yeah, that, I started to read it, but it's about the ayahuasca thing. And it, uh, it's, or it's very, it. very big. It's a lot of dense material about psychoactive yeah. substances feel like found in old to... temples and things yeah. like that, where that this may have been where religion comes from. I don't buy that because, again, we you and I have talked about that internal experience. Yes, yes. You can do it through. If you get hit by a car, you might have a near death yes. experience or you could take a tab of acid. You know, it's not. I think so the power you. of prayer is the thing that's really convincing me. Like I have found that if 
So it's very hard to, you can disbelieve in the power of prayer if all you pray for is drug addicts because <laughs> they're, they're resisting it. They're right. closed to grace, which is a Catholic concept. Like if you're not in a state of grace, you can't receive the grace. Absolutely. And that sounds like a nasty, like, you know, well, things to, but it's totally true. If you, I have found that if you pray for something that there's no will rejecting. And I got that. I was thinking I was listening to like a Greg Carwood higher side chat. Like, I mean, it was somebody who was definitely not a Catholic just saying mm -hmm. like he made things happen. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try that. And yeah. the power of prayer, I think is a very convincing way to see the light as it were, but absolutely I, you were on a yeah. roll. And I, I no, no, no. I'm time. right there with you because I, I agree with that a hundred percent. As soon as I got into all this research years and years ago, I was like, Oh, meditation. Hmm. Prayer too. Probably that makes sense, you know, and all the repetition with uh, um, in Islam when they're going down and up and down. all a lot of cultures Yo, do that. Actually, what's that about? That seems like because a an energetic kind of movement or something. Mm. And, you know, what you said there about prayer blows my mind because it even it kind of drives home the parallel to, you know, the controversial manifestation and all that that people think is satanic. It's this idea that you're putting energy into something. And you're saying that, you know, the drug addicts are kind of fighting against that grace or that intention, right? And you can fight against things that you're praying for too. If you're praying and, you know, in the manifestation language, it'd be like, well, if you've been living a very, you know, depressed off and on kind of life, and now you found this idea of manifestation and start saying one day, I'm going to have a million dollars tomorrow. I'm going to have a million dollars. Yeah, I no. think that's what I was listening to. You got yeah, the decades of that yeah. train that are just going to come piling up just because you yes. stopped doing the negative behavior doesn't mean it's, you know what I mean? So, so it, what ends up happening, like basically every time I pray, I once I made a mistake and I'll, I'll tell you in a second, but every time I pray, I always end up just saying, well, God loves me. So God's will be done, which is exactly what my mother would always say. God's will be done. But I always start like literally like every night or whatever, when I'm praying for something, I like, always start with like, oh, I really hope I get that job. And then I'm mm -hmm. like, well, it could be like not good for me. So, I mean, only I only want that job if it's good. And then I'm like, well, the logical I'm, mind. Yeah. So then I'm just like, OK, well, you love me. So just do what you want for me. So but one time, one time I prayed for someone to be happy. And I, what I really, you know, what my mother would have prayed for is for the person to be good, you know, to be good. So she was like, well, you pray, you know, that they, you know, find God or they, that they return to the church or whatever. And I was mm -hmm. like, no, this person is so unhappy. Like, I just, I just want them to be happy. And I, uh, and it was that, that person's life just took a turn for the worse and, and what he was doing was just pursuing happiness in a way, like pursuing pleasure. Oh, okay. So then you had like, you know, late nights, irresponsible behavior, all that kind of stuff. And I just thought, I really should have prayed for him to be good. Mm. And then he would have been happy. But That's it didn't, brilliant. you know, my prayers didn't really impact i'm sure because like, oh, what did god, i do god wouldn't answer a prayer like that right no. like he would not answer a prayer like that but i feel like i had done the wrong thing because i have a huge family so you're always seeing like a lot of people who are into drugs and <laughs> they're almost all in new york and there's just it's terrible it's really really terrible it's like there's something very sinister going on with the drugs like it's there's no way the richest society of all time should have so many well i mean maybe, but issues. the, the yeah. drugs are on purpose for sure oh yeah and uh and i just thought like I'll never do that again. Like I will only pray for somebody to like be good, even if they have to suffer 
mm-hmm. the pain of, you know, quitting drugs or getting on their right. own two feet or seeing the, the pain that they caused, maybe their children or something like, mm-hmm. I feel like you, it's all for no a purpose, easy answer. And that we, and that like, is one of the reasons that I, I don't think we're animals. Like we're not just the evolutionary, like the abstract thinking fire building. Ape. Right. Because we, we cannot, we cannot, I don't think we can really be happy without being good, which is maybe why those, you know, the collective ego or whatever we're talking about here, they're so voracious for, for, they almost want to eat your soul right? because I feel like they cannot satisfy their own. And, you know, maybe, maybe there is something to that. Maybe, maybe that's a really good point. And I like the way you, you keep your prayers simple and that your mom did that too, because, um, you know, if my wife, and I are kind of thinking of like um, just intentional things to say before bed when we wake up or we're just trying to like repeat things. Right. Cause that's what yeah. the mind does. It just oh, yeah. repeats. I try not to repeat things that are bad. Like that, I'm a yeah, warrior. Absolutely. And somebody said like, never think about this. I was like, you're so right. Every time I worry about it, I'm like, that's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. You know? Right. Yes. Yeah, so I anti-manifest all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hear you. Right. Yeah, exactly. Even though there's no way to do that, unfortunately. Right. Oh, so it's, yeah, right, it's because like, you can't think about something. There's no negative. Think about right. Ouch. Shit. That's the thing. Like you can't be in your car going, I am not going to get fired from my job because then your brain's right. going to go, what's fired from your job? Well, that, maybe that's why like meditation is like emptying your mind. It's the whole yes. state puffs marshmallow man. Problem. Yes. Empty your head. Oh, I love that. <laughs> just gave me chills. All right. Now we're talking Ghostbusters. This is great. I knew we'd cover paranormal at some point. <laughs> That's the closest I can get is a giant marshmallow. But so my wife will have this tendency and it's, it's most people's tendency because we're all so ingrained, whether we think we're not or not, we are or not in this material minded thinking that it's like, you know, well, if I think for a long period of time for I do dream boards about this big giant house and everything, it's like, yeah, those things can maybe work and stuff. I'm not against that idea. Like I have a friend who claims, shout out to Lehman. He tells me that, you know, him and his wife sat there and would pretend to count money, like a ton of money. And they did it over and over and over again. By the end of that week, they ended up with like five grand out of nowhere. Like they had a check come in for something that didn't make almost any sense. Wow. Those stories are wild. I've never experienced them. You know See, what I mean? I, in my Catholic framework, like that sounds satanic, right? That sounds like magical yes. or yes. Sat- right. Exactly. Like I was at the Grammys once and I think it was Pharrell wow. whose name I, whose song. Oh yeah. I, <laughs> Whatever. Uh, <laughs> my husband's job tends to uh, allow for some really cool tickets sometimes. That's awesome. So, so it was, and I always hated that song. Happiness is the truth. Happiness is the truth. I'm like, I think, you know, I mean, I'm not hundred percent sure that when I die, I'm going to have a conversation with Jesus and he's going to know my name, but <laughs> barring that reservation, uh, Jesus is the truth. <laughs> like you can't say happiness <laughs> is the truth. Like that's the satanic thing where like, um, do what thou wilt is the whole of the mm. law. Like happiness is the problem. Not, not that happiness is a problem, but the pursuit of, of that is, right. uh, you know, a devoid of the meaning behind it or the goodness in it. So he came out and I always thought that I was like, don't listen to that song. It's my kids. Like that person's just like, what? And like that other one, like the, uh, the guy who's who says take me to church and like he's worshiping his girlfriend oh really God. great song oh. but it's just <laughs> so satanic so um so he comes out and he says 
uh, I just want to thank the Lord. And I was like, which way is he going to look? I was like, is he going to oh, look up man. or is he going to look down? <laughs> and he didn't, he didn't look in any direction. And I was like, maybe he's Christian. Like, I really don't know. And I'm not saying like, you know, he's well, right, bad. How he's many people Christian, too? He'd be bad if he was satanic. I'm not into right. that. But. but how many, like, so, and this is controversial in itself because all the celebrities are evil. I get it. I, I get it. And I, I don't do even be- like bad mouthing a person by name. Like I feel bad, bad. Well. Mouthing him. I don't know his character. You know, I really don't know his character, but I just put those two pieces together and it puzzles if, me. If I have any layman's perspective on celebrities and I don't take it lightly because I do think a lot of negative things about them too. But I wonder often how, first of all, how busy they are. Second, how uh, adored they are and how everything, they're pampered. Every, they, they don't do anything for themselves, especially when we're talking A-listers. And Pharrell, man, he's a he's huge. He's massive, yes. right? So that's a good example of this. Britney, all of them, right? I think a lot of them get hoodwinked. You know, like I think, like does, if, does Pharrell know that the happy saying happiness instead of yeah. Jesus, he doesn't know. Right. But a no, lot of us right. do. Right. Understand and it wouldn't that framework matter. and we go up. Yeah. Oh, it's, it, you know, it wouldn't you know actually what I mean? matter. It would be better if he didn't know for them, it would be better if he oh, didn't absolutely. know. Oh, absolutely. A cog in the machine, right. Deliver that. Yeah, you're right. That's a great, great point. It would be better if he like for their purposes, it would be better if he was Christian. Let me take it a step further. And, and, he, this do, one, and he did oh, get busted for ripping off some songs. So it is quite possible oh, that he gets fed lyrics and stuff that are, he had, takes, you know. Right. And we know that himself. the writers are not creative. So we're the creators. So <laughs> do you really think that? Well, I, I think, yeah, I think. Th- so I think religious texts are absolutely true. I just think the context is way off. Just like I think magic exists, but no one's, you know, shooting laser beams out of a wand. Right. Yeah. So yes, yes. Okay. I'm but very, sorry, do you remember the end of your point? Because oh, stop! I don't think, no. No, it's okay. You it's okay. To. I I'm like I this. That. I forget so many things. No, but <laughs> I interrupt people. So that's that, okay. That's I my do worst too. nightmare. This is the best kind of conversation. <laughs> no, okay. I'll take it a step further. That's where I was gonna go. Right. I was giving a little bit of innocence to the celebrities. Yes, fine. I will yes. take that a big step further. Let's use an example, like what's her name from Transformers? Uh, Megan, Megan Fox. Fox. Miss machine gun Kelly and they drink each other's blood and all that kind of stuff. All totally in the eyes of Catholicism would be satanic right on right off. And I don't think it's good. I'm not going to about to defend it by any means, but I would like to say that as a, an 18 year old kid coming back from a five gram mushroom trip, not sure what the hell I experienced, started looking into everything. Right. Well, that included religion, all religions and all of right. their histories and this and that. And the, this won't piss my audience off because they they know me very well. But yeah, no, it doesn't matter. Again, with that hijacking of the of the the some sort of essence that is not evil, but is kind of you know we're lured into the evil way it can be interpreted. Uh, I feel that way about oh. a lot of like ritualistic shit that goes on. A lot of the magic side of things, the occult, occult means hidden, right? right? And the original meaning to me is, well, why did I find that conspiracy theorist inside? Oh, okay. Occult means within. It's that hidden within. We have to within. now just segue right into the Gnosticism, but I will yes. say, because that's what I was asking you and you said, well, there's real and there's fake. So that maybe that would be a great place to. Sure. Um, I would love to wind it up. So, but I just did want to say that I believe that that Megan Fox uh, was 
a bitch on the set and was just like thrown off the set, not used again. And it might've mm-hmm. been like in that moment in her career, I don't know when she started doing bad things, but right. or things that are controversial, but it's possible that she, you know, moved from the A list to the B list <laughs> on the, you know, cause they say that about Hollywood and um, Babylon, whatever mm-hmm. that, uh, they had, you know, like Stanley Kubrick or, or there's a lot of talk like that. Yes. And if there are those kind of magic things and sacrificial things and, you know, maybe she was, they were like, look, you're out forever mm-hmm. or you play this role. Maybe. You know what I mean? You get the kind of booby prize, as I said. Uh, so, so tell me when you talk about the, we started by saying, I said, you know, Gnosticism mm. is either Francis Bacon's plot to replace religion with science, or it's me knowing stuff inherently. Like, what right. is it? And it can definitely be both, I would say. This is, I don't know. We'd, we might even have, to, if you were interested, we might have to do a whole episode on it. Oh, but let's just, do that. Oh, I'm down. But um, just to give you like the cliff notes of it, if I can, um, like a lot of these stories echo internal experiences that many, many writers have written about from the perspective of their transcendental experiences. Right. And it's like this idea, oh man, I'm, I'm not even sure where to start. This is such an, like a deep topic, but Gnosticism itself, man, it's, it's, it's a lot because we go farther and farther and farther back. You get closer and closer to nature worship, right? Everything is nature. Everything is is that what he, you believe, or you're just saying that's what you? Well, as I, you, I believe it as that, I've researched. Do you also believe it. Yes. Yeah. The further in time you go back, you know, Christianity, Catholicism, monotheism was there was a beginning to that that we can find. Before that, it all and it was all all the paganism was kind of rallied. I mean, I would say a a, a hijacking. I think people are familiar with the Council of Nicaea and Constantine. Yes, and, yes, for sure. Okay, so let's take all these pagan beliefs and yeah turn them into something yeah. that we can work with and then of course yeah. we have jesus being the image of caesar borgia so th- that's a whole rabbit hole you can go down i know and it, <laughs> some of it can be flimsy right yes that's a good point but, but, so yeah. i always go back to the research i did when i first came back from psychedelics because a lot of the the beautiful reassuring uh life affirming information i was getting from none other than something yes. inside of me right. was echoing so much of what not like anton lavey from the church of satan said but like right. shit that he was globbing onto and i i don't so i haven't covered really any of what we what you asked me and I, maybe no, well, it is more of an episode question, but like i thought i was it was like oh gnosticism like i can know inside but then yes i have a friend who does a podcast on francis bacon mm. and gnosticism is really really bad and i just i want to just find like what what are the options of what you can think of gnosticism as i think you nailed it Okay. which is internosis. Yes. Um, and it's really controversial, especially for, you know, for a lot, a lot, a lot of thousands of years, the controlling establishment was the Catholic church. So if you're able to find it within you, as Jesus said, Oh, in text that they won't allow into the Bible, you know, and yeah, that, are I you guess talking I can... about like the gospel of Thomas? Well, that's one of them. Yeah. The Apocrypha, the Nagamati Library. I was not totally convinced that those were authentic. Real. Are you? Yeah. Are well, you? it's interesting because they themselves, those texts echo religions that are 
Right. Upwards of so, 10,000 years old. You know, I don't I don't want to. We can't start another you know, no, we hour and a half <laughs> we'll so do we'll another. Do another time. But absolutely um, there were I did love the Dan. You know, I don't love it now because I don't like what it meant. But the Dan Brown stuff. Um, mm. like Tom Hanks played him in the movie. Another hijacking. Yeah. Never watched that. But he he wrote the books that like like Opus Day was in it and um the, the Illuminati. We of, none of us knew what that was. Yeah, like Gospel <laughs> of Mary Magdalene or Thomas Rivers. So after that, I got a bunch of books on that stuff, the Nag Hammabi texts and mm. all of that. Like that's what I, I do. Just like, but but everything I got at that time, I was still didn't realize that like anything they're selling on like a table and when you walk into Barnes and Noble is not giving me the answer i'm seeking right so i got all these like elaine pagel's books and like a, a lot of like the really popular people who cover that stuff mm -hmm. and um and that those treatments of it those kind of pot boilers were convincing but then i just found like some texts that were transliterated so just like word for word turned into english uh -huh. much less convincing Oh, so, okay. so if you had, if you happened upon a resource that you felt was comprehensive and, mm -hmm. you know, convincing or, or not even just convincing, but like get laid it all out. So you could make a very informed decision about that. I would be interested in that. Someone, someone I will definitely be looking sent me uh, like not in his image or something, which is like a very, that just sounds opposite uh, of Christian. Like, yes, I don't like, I, I don't want to go there. I'll look at it, but I just, uh, I'm not ready for, uh, I, I find don't... the most important, uh, non-Christian texts about our souls and our lives are the ones that are closest to Christian. Well, this thing like Marcus you know? Aurelius's meditations and mm. um, the yoga sutras are all predate Christ and they absolutely resonate. That's why that thing is like the answer is the question of whether or not there's a God is unanswerable, but it's also right. irrelevant. Like the wisdom, yeah. you know, the wise have the same advice. It's self-evident. And you that's know, why you have Gnosis as something that seems very plausible to me, well, like right. just as a literal expression. I'll say this to kind of like bookend yeah. our, our first conversation about this um, that, oh, and of course I just lost it. Just by saying that sentence, I lost what I was going to yes. say. This is, um, what was I going to go with that? Like the fact that there's a number of texts in the Bible that, that um, you were saying other things that are, seem Christian almost, even if they're yeah, not. Yeah. I mean, when you look at like Buddhism and Hinduism and these other religions that a lot of times in our conspiracy circles, we are, shown evidence of why they're evil and it's like well yeah but that symbol isn't what you think it means so and so that kind of thing happens a lot but i was actually going to be able to recommend a book for you that i think will do something in that okay. area it may not okay. answer all your questions but it's actually a fiction book and it's Great. called lamb l-a-m-b the story or the gospel according to biff B-I-F-F, <laughs> uh, Jesus's childhood best friend. And it is the wackiest, weirdest okay. way. To, now, I'm sure Does there are Christians lightly? out there that are that know about this book and yes. probably are yelling at me right now. I don't know. You can't take lightly that which is divine. So uh, it's, it's very I, difficult. It's it is jokey. a comedy. A no, you're not bit. permitted. Like, that's the definition of blasphemy. So. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. We can't laugh. That's interesting. <laughs> no, no, you can't laugh at Jesus. Oh, right, right. But that's I feel like, wouldn't, don't you think that Jesus probably would have been like, 
burn that page. Come on, bro. Like he seems so down to earth, uh, but maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, it's no, such- no, I got you. I'm not like freaking out about it, but I'm no, I know you're not. You. Yeah, like I'm just telling you, first of all, I have there's like two things. It's like my childhood, you know, you're very seriously indoctrinated to things that are taboo. Like right. things that are taboo. Like, I don't care if I believe it or not. Like, I don't do taboo shit. Like right, I got my you. mother, who literally buried two kids and two grandkids, says, like, at least none of my kids takes the Lord's name in vain. <laughs> I mean, that's like her solace that she is taking a St. Peter. That's and good. uh, oh yeah. So like I do the same thing in my house. I'm just like, don't say that. You know, like right. don't say that. So I have those taboos and then you know, uh, my mother is the matron saint. I used to have like patron saints. She's the matron saint. She listens to my show. Yeah, my that's friend, awesome. Listens to the show, and they'll like I'll get messages that are just like, "You can't read that book." I'm like, well, <sighs> can I? Yeah. Sometimes it'll be. Oh God, like, protect me! My mother will say like, "You." It's not that you can't read the book; it's that you can't buy the book. Mm. You can't buy the book. I like almost agree with that one. I do agree yes. with that. Yeah. Yes. She would say like, <laughs> "You can read it. It doesn't hurt to read it." Right. And, uh, but you can because you're strong. But uh, like so my. Yeah. So anyway, yes, I uh, I, I, I will I will probe whether yeah, the probe lamb... that book. It's very funny. <laughs> it's very heartwarming, if anything. But yeah, it, it definitely elucidated a lot of, I think, a Gnostic mentality without claiming it. It was See, probably I a little the underhanded last temptation of Christ. And I'm pretty sure like that. I was not supposed to like that. Oh, right. That was, it was such, a, it was such yeah. a good idea. Like. The problem, it's very hard to feel like Jesus could really understand what it is to suffer as a human being because he was free from sin. He understood that he was God. He had a direct relationship with the father. He spoke to him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to see, to be able to visualize that he was tempted, like that was like an essential element of understanding humanity. And my mother said that when Jesus said, uh, why have you forsaken me? I was like, how is that even possible? She said, because God can't be in the presence of sin. So when Jesus took on the sins of the world, he was alone and he was bereft and he could Mm -hmm. feel that and then he could feel it all. So maybe the temptation was in that moment. I don't know, but I'm sure I'm not supposed to get anything out of that either, but I did. So that's pretty amazing. I have to live on my, by my conscience as, as aforementioned. Absolutely. (laughs) And I think that's the right way to do it. And I, that's why, that's why I, I often love talking to people with Christian beliefs. Uh, I did a show for a long time with my friend, Emmanuel, who is very Christian. Well, he says he's not Christian, but he's a follower of Christ and that's fine. You know, that's right. That's good too. Um, I it's weird how I was such a agnostic atheist type guy growing up, even involved with conspiracy. Yet now I find myself like, where are the Christians? Okay, that's a safe area. <laughs> well, let's go over there. Lockdown <laughs> put people. A lot of people were like, look, there's no other hope at this point. Right. Than, you know, pick your God. But that's there's nothing here for us. <laughs> so let me. If you don't mind, let me elucidate a little bit more on yeah. what I was saying mm-hmm. about when I came back from all those experiences, because yeah. it really. So when I was comparing it to like Megan Fox, this big celebrity. Yes. Right. And I think she went down to Peru. I think she did an ayahuasca ceremony before any of this machine gun Kelly stuff happened. So the thing is, is when you're when you have that ineffable experience and you come back to your logical egoic mind and you're just you're wide open, you're like, OK, well, maybe everything's true then. Right. And you start it's, it's crazy, but 
the way I did it was when I would read all these different books and I read books on Satanism and Luciferian shit and all, all those kind of things. I didn't buy it for a second, but I took out of it what I had clearly experienced in my own brain. And I also had researched a lot of psychedelic chemistry and found out in, conclusively that the psychedelics, including marijuana, including alcohol, they hold doors open. They don't you know, show up in your body with an experience for you. Like they allow the body to have experiences that the body is able to have regardless of, you know what I mean? And again, with the near death experience or fasting or meditation doesn't even take chemicals that are outside of you either. So it's like, okay, I'm going to pull a little bit and see what matches up in my internal map on these squirrely ideas that have been put together by egos that came back yeah. from that ineffable experience. And I, I, I really held on to that because I, I think that that's where the real truth is. It's like, everybody's going to make an ego out of God in one way or the other. And some of her, some of them are going to call it the opposite because they grew up with the image of this guy on a cloud. And then eventually they found out, Oh, well, that's the image of Zeus. So obviously where's this? And then once you get older, the fairy tale aspect of religion should yeah. kind of fade and it should be a more profound. I don't really know what it is. Kind it's not of played thing, out called the right? noble lie. Right? The yes. noble lie was the Greek myths. Right. Cause it's so a noble it's, lie. Yeah. Right. It's noble. And so it's like, it's not the uh oh man yeah it's just such a it's so interesting that we're capable of like that is a great point that and i think of that i was like drugs to the extent you know that is a freaky thing to have the capacity to have truly altered perception right that doesn't like cause brain damage or anything to have truly altered that is stimulated by a compound that's present in right. food that isn't poison. Yeah, in grasses and, and there's other animals. Smoke. I mean, to me, that feels like like both evidence of God and proof of gnosis. <laughs> Do you know why people laugh hysterically on mushrooms for the first time? Why? Because they 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 go, wait, are you telling me I got to go meet God and be on the veil and and realize all the ridiculousness yeah. because I ate a mushroom? Yeah. And it becomes so insanely funny that you went to take a drug and you experience the ineffable. And it's like, what? His humor is the Is this a joke? Yeah. It's like the divine comedy of of gosh, you might be talking me into like uh, (laughs) taking a little a little uh, eating a cap so that I can stop worrying about the stupid (laughs) stuff in my life. Well, you know, the microdosing thing is weird because honestly, you don't feel it on a conscious level. So I think probably there's a good portion of people that are lowball tripping and thinking they're microdosing out there by eating a few caps. It's like, whoa, whoa, you eat a few micrograms. Right. It's like, it's such a small amount. I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about actually like getting that, you know, instant therapy thing. Cause like, I'm seriously worried about the long dying you know okay. i don't why do i care about the law i don't even own this house you know well, so but like that's the lawn another is dying aspect and I, like, of I this literally too. I'll, I'll walk past it it's just like it'll bother me like i gotta not care about that stuff i'm sorry that this was me supposed to be interviewing you in the last few minutes no no <laughs> i wanted it to go both ways i enjoy the swap cast it's like a buddy dive i really like just buddy th- dive. what you just said kind of made me think of something where it's like Another part of this transhumanist agenda and maybe why it involves psychedelics, 
in the beginning where I came back and I didn't have any guidance, I started to think that that experience is what I get to have after I die. So mm. this is not as important. And that's the thing that I actually took from my previous atheism, which was like, they're just getting you to focus on the afterlife. Oh, not yeah. Focused the on the here and now. Masses, of course. So I kind of felt that way about this. And I was like, okay, so you can look up quantum physics. You can look into magic. You can look in all these different areas and they're going to tell you the, you're just a meat suit. And what's really important I, yeah. is out there. But then I found alchemy. And I went, oh, all the parts are essential. The body's essential. The body is also part of this. Uh, it's an equation. And without it, we're not going to be able to talk to each other. <laughs> we're not okay. going to be. <laughs> the last thing I will bring to this conversation is yes. uh, that the, the, I think I understand why they're going to legalize mushrooms. Okay. Because I was thinking... Be careful. Watch, watch out for the messages that they that they are sending at that point. What are the mm. subliminal? So, and now I'm realizing, like, we will be more susceptible to a very curated type of propaganda in VR. Ugh. All right. Now VR is pretty convincing as it is, so maybe we should leave it there, and yes, maybe you and I could do this again. Uh, yes, this was absolutely. great. Yes, and it, <laughs> yeah, anything that you think of, like jot it down, and we'll do that the next time. Hell yeah. I, and I will yeah. look for some cool references to explain better what I'm trying to get across because there is a whole world. No, it's huge. It's too big a you know? subject. It was just Absolutely. a little sampler. I like a little sampler. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I'll tell you this. Shout out to Joe from Legit Bat. Good friend. Yes. Um, I, I, I actually oh, sorry, told him I was having you on this Friday and I was like, dude, I'm a little nervous because I feel like our, our subject matters are so yes, vastly yes. different. I did know. I'm worried that. I'm going <laughs> to run out of stuff to ask Monica or something. And he was like, absolutely. Do not worry about that. She can riff with the best of them on anything. And you've absolutely proven that you are. Are awesome, you sure he didn't I really say she talks constantly <laughs> and you won't even get a word in edgewise. Come on. I know Joe. No, because he know he would know that I would have to say, well, that's me too. So it's just going right. to be, you know, I thought this yes. was great. This was yes, a great me introduction. Too, Cause to I did think other. of that. Well, once I was starting to listen to you, I started thinking, well, I'm happy to go on the show, but I want to hear what he has to say. So that's, <laughs> that's before cool. we started. I was like, I just like, I hope we can go both ways because I don't know enough about that stuff. And I'm, it's very interesting. Yeah. So, I think we find ourselves in a unique yeah. uh, comparative position here where you're someone that I can trust answers to when I ask political questions. Cause I don't know anything. Whereas like, I haven't been able to go to my dad for a very long time because it's his American yeah. politics is his sports team, basically. Yes, you know exactly, I mean? exactly. I can't get any real answers that just fighting. So, yeah. So it's good that we have this very vastly different perspective on things that we can kind of come together and maybe in an alchemical way, create that third idea, you know? Right on. Let's keep trying. <laughs> I just cannot wait to hear what my my uh, Catholic family and friends are going to be like. That guy's clearly. Oh, God. <laughs> well, you <laughs> know, just a, a message to them. I, I really <laughs> and truly to the ends of my being really appreciate what religion, especially Christianity and yeah. Catholicism, has the potential to do for people. And I think it's like it can be a hijacking, but I think that's because of how powerful those messages are. 
So that's true for absolutely. Hopefully everything. that saves me from your family. Yeah, no, we're good. We're good. No, it's fine. It's just funny because the people they love me, so it's they're not going to be mean to me. Right. People don't love you. It's like, uh, but they know they love me. It's going to be fine. Um, okay, I don't mean like okay. everyone loves me. But the people who are going to respond are going to do it in a way to help me understand absolutely. better what I did not convey a thorough understanding of. But until and then I'll bring it back. I will bring those comments back yes. the next time we talk. I'm all about. Yeah. The opposite opinion. Yes. I mean, I'm studying some ancient history right now that's very controversial. I'm like, please, if anybody can debate it, I need that. We yes, need exactly. Chisel this out, right? So, so tell us because I hopefully we can put this on my feed. Tell people who you are means. so that they can enjoy the sampler and go know where to go for more. Cool. Well, I really appreciate that, Monica. And it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Uh, I'm Andy Rouse. You can find me at the Deep Share Podcast uh, on social media. I'm just the Deep Share. Or if you have any questions or you want to, you know, send your pitchforks my way now, <laughs> uh, just uh, contact at the deep Uh Yeah. So it's that's awesome. Thank you for doing this. It's a swap cast now. That's great. Yeah, exactly. But, it's a buddy time. I call them buddy time. I buddy. Yeah. And <laughs> so. equally for anyone living under a rock that is unfamiliar <laughs> with your show, please let my audience know where they can find you too. Thank you so much. So in socials, I'm at Monica Perez show because that used to be my radio show. And uh, I was on the propaganda report. I did the drive time news blast, which is a daily show every day, but I cannot do the daily show anymore. So I do <laughs> deep dives. You can get it at monicasdeepdives.com or deep dives with Monica Perez on your favorite podcasting platform. But I'm on Twitter pretty much every night. So if you want to talk to me, I'm there. And I really do like to get the feedback. Uh, just, you know, be nice. Definitely. Yeah. De <laughs> I love getting feedback on Twitter. Like that's the, the craziest <laughs> community I think I'm a part of. So. Well, my son was telling me, he was like, oh, it's a cesspool Twitter. And I was like, no, I love it. I love it. And he's like, that's because you're shadow banned. Like you don't, <laughs> the only people who can talk to you are people who are literally going to your feed every day. Mm. Like, oh, well, that's great. Great. Yeah, I me. love this little <laughs> echo. You know, it's funny that they've <laughs> demonized the idea of echo chambers. It's like, well, the more people think a certain way, the more they're going to get things done. Right. Yeah. Like I got, it's a community at this yeah. point. <laughs> Well, I love our community and this was excellent. And Monica, thank you so much for being here with us and we'll do this again. We'll have a part two at some point. Super fun. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching and see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Deep Share Podcast. If you want to hear more, then hit that subscribe button. Follow me on all the social places and remember, think for yourself. But don't always believe what you think. Till next time. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Pacifaria. Enough, I get the point. <laughs> you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. <laughs> and you will atone. What do we know? What do we know? If I know what we know, then I can tell you what we know, and if someone else knows, okay? <laughs> <laughs>